Hi, y'all. It's Ashley. We're back on the podcast, and this week I am sitting down with Danielle Kepix to discuss all things alcohol. Danielle and I are both pretty passionate about this topic, so without further ado, let's get into the podcast. everyone. Welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 88 and I am here with Danielle. This is Danielle's honestly fourth or fifth time on the podcast. Is it sixth? Seventh? It's more. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've been around. Yeah. I was going to say, so basically you should all know her by now. And if you (laughs) do not go back and listen to one of the previous episodes, and also definitely head on over to her strong and unfiltered podcast and just follow her on Instagram. Trust me, you'll definitely thank me later and you'll get to know her really quickly. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't hold back. <laughs> yes, but I know that was definitely a condensed version. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, I mean, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. I'm a fun follow. Connect with me. My handle's at danielle.kepix. Yeah, absolutely. K-E-P-I-C-S. Spell my name in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I would, we um, definitely will. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I'm a physician assistant. I was one of Ashley's nutrition clients. Um, I still work with Derek one-on-one, so I am still part of Ballistic Performance. Um, I've known Derek and Ash for a couple of years here now going it'll be going on four years pretty soon yeah that is crazy yeah, I'm getting old Derek tried to limit my f-bombs today too <laughs> fuck you Derek to, <laughs> to 48 yeah <laughs> I can't wait for him to listen to this <laughs> no. well I mean my first comment is like pretty close to the comments that I leave him in train heroic like I feel like I give him like an f-bomb at least twice a session when I'm like this is just rude what you're asking me to do I really hate you (laughs) absolutely I actually laugh out loud when I read because the text or the messages pop up on my phone as well oh really (laughs) (laughs) and it's I'm like oh okay today was a good session Dude, the upper body, so the upper body stuff he's programming recently, I'm doing a combined push-pull day because I'm only lifting three days a week right now. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Hard. Ooh. Vomit. Uh, they, I was like, you know, like right in here, I'm pointing like right on my sternum, like right where if people had big boobs, they would still have boobs right here. But those little you, itty-bitty muscle fibers in here, I would like there? touch it. And I was like, Ugh. Oh, that's Ugh. when you know. That's okay. bad. That's it's so been terrible. Funny. There's nothing like a good upper body workout, though. That's oh, exciting. I pull pulling is my favorite. Yeah, I I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, so, well, perfect. Let's dive into today's episode. I haven't even it. shared what it's about, but yeah, we let's... are chatting about alcohol. Yes. And I am so excited. This is this is my newfound. Um, cliff I will die on or hill I will die on (laughs) I have a lot of them no and I think that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation (laughs) with you I think it'll be good to see like both of our sides I don't know if that's the right word Mm -hmm. but both of our like experiences and I wanted to talk a little bit about like our past experiences so people can can we talk about why why is it important to talk about alcohol because if I'm listening to this episode I'm like why should we be talking about this because it affects everything. 
Like, is there any, is there something that it doesn't affect? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Not I just wanted you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because literally it's going to affect everything. And mm. I don't think it's talked about enough. What do you think? Oh, I agree 100%. I, my, my personal opinion, my unfiltered opinion about it <laughs> is that it is a drug. It is a chemical substance. You are altering your brain chemistry. And because it's legal, we minimize what it really does to our bodies and what it is actually doing to our minds and things like that because it's quote unquote legal. Yeah, absolutely. I think people use it as a total justification to alter their state of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, people I, I stop listening after that. <laughs> They're like, fuck this, I'm out. That's three of my F-bombs already. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> no, but I think it's important that people know that, learn, like, hear that. And then we'll also just kind of throughout the episode give them, like, mm. little pieces of nuggets yeah. of information that'll help them be like, oh, like, that's what Danielle was saying at the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But let's start with, like, let's talk about your experience. I'm actually very curious about this because I don't think I... We haven't really talked about this too much. No, we never talked about alcohol because it was never an issue when I was working with you as a nutrition client. Like I just, I mean, I never drank in high school. Like mm-hmm. I know that's like illegal, but it's still, I feel like a lot of people go to parties and start drinking, like binge drinking. Let's call it what it is. Binge drinking in high school. Um, I definitely drank in college um, way too much, but definitely not like as much as a lot of people Some probably people. think yeah. is a lot. Like I would, I was a regular weekend drinker. Like I was, a, you know, regularly going to parties and stuff like that. Um, and then when I graduated college, I really got into like the tasty beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely would um, have described myself as a beer snob for a large period of my life. I will never forget the first two day hangover I had. I was like 25 or 26. I was bartending at the time. And, um, I told myself that I would never have a hangover like that ever again. And I haven't, I'm 37. (laughs) Wow. Um, it was awful. I had to go to work and bartend and smell it and be around it. And I was like, uh, I could like barely stand up straight. I was like, I seriously just want to die. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, sorry if you can hear the AC guy out front, (laughs) the dog's barking. I would say up until probably I went to PA school, I was like a pretty regular drinker, like, and, you know, four or five, six drinks total on the weekends, which I would now, I consider that a lot of freaking alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I went to PA school, I just, you can't, like, you don't have time. You have to be on your game. Like you have to be able to mentally function. Um, So I, I'd say that then I graduated PA school and I never really went back to that lifestyle. And I think part of that was like, I had kind of found CrossFit and gotten more involved in performance and aesthetic goals. And I just knew how much it hindered that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I can't expect to like look a certain way or perform a certain way and have like fucking five or six drinks a week. Like that's going to crush everything, you know? So, um, and then more recently, I would say that I I haven't drank a sip of alcohol in a little over three months at this point. Um, I don't know if I'll ever drink alcohol again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's just where my mind is at with it right now. I may be full of it. It's not a pressure thing I'm putting on myself, but I just really started asking myself, like, 
what, how is this serving me? How is this adding value to my life? Um, and I, at this point in time, I can't answer that question positively. So here we are. Yeah, no, it's a good I, condensed version, I think, <laughs> no, of the past but, like eighteen years. <laughs> no, I think it's really interesting to see kind of all the different phases and kind of what led you to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say mine was pretty similar. I actually, I'm like embarrassed to say this, but oh god, I actually drank a lot more—not a lot more, but a lot in high school. Like, yeah, I know. And like, (laughs) people are going to be very surprised when they hear that. But I like, I think we had our first, my friends and I had our first sip of alcohol, like seventh grade, like really early. Yeah. You freaking little alky. Yes. And then like junior and senior year, especially after I committed to pit for diving, like we we just like almost drank every weekend and like not not like college but had a party pretty much once a weekend and um then when I got to college freshman and sophomore year with my back injury I definitely went towards alcohol like and again it was still just on the weekend um I was never like a Thursday through Sunday person where I feel like a lot of people from college were but I was like consistently Friday Saturday um and just drank like way way too much like there's a lot of things that I just like don't remember and that it's sad um and then I'm trying to think what has really happened since college I just consistently, like, junior, senior year, I just, like, consistently started to drink less and less. Like, my friends would have to, like, drag me out. Even if I did go out, I'd have one drink and be like, all right, I'm good. Like, I just want to go back to bed. going to bed. Yes. Um, And now, both Derek and I, we definitely drink still, but it's once a month, if. And it's never just, like, oh, let's have a drink. It's we're like at a brewery we're like getting something from the experience we're like with Mm -hmm. his family at a tailgate something like that um and yeah that's kind of where I'm at now yeah I um I think it's interesting what you said about how when you got injured you like turned to drinking because I think a lot of people don't like, I don't know if you recognize it at the time that you were using it as a coping mechanism, but I think that it's utilized very highly as a coping mechanism in our society. And because it's so acceptable, no one really pauses to notice what they're actually doing. I'm sorry for the disjointed thought there. Marcus literally just left for work and like, basically like flashed me on against the window, <laughs> like pressed his bare chest against the window. Solid. Dying. Um, I was like, I can't even think straight. Um, but I think a lot of people do that. And I think that it's not something that's talked about because it's not looked at as, as a problem. And I have to have this conversation with my patients a lot with how much they're drinking. Um, and it's not easy because I'm like, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot, I'm trying to think back to, I don't know if in the moment, I'd say I probably didn't recognize that. I just kind of 
blamed it on oh this is just what you do in college and it's like mm-hmm. no I didn't have to do it to that extent I didn't have to black out not remember things um and I think I I can vividly remember like the diving team being like oh take a shot of this it'll help with your back like I can that was like the thing to say and so that's definitely not good at all oh my um, gosh but that's what I was going to ask you is do you have to talk about alcohol with a lot of your patients? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, that's kind of a constant revolving conversation. Like I ask everybody on their first visit and then if something comes up that makes me think like, is, it, is there alcohol involved here? Like I'll say, do you drink? Like how much do you drink? You know, mm-hmm. remind me. Um, but I would say probably 40 to 50% of my patients meet, um, the definition for alcohol abuse. Okay. And they have no idea. Um, it's not a fun conversation. So per, I don't know how much credibility left the CDC has, but we'll go there. Um, per the CDC, um, eight glasses per week for women, and I think it's 12 for men, um, meet the category for alcohol abuse. Um, okay. And possibly, and possibly addiction um, because you start to build tolerance. And, you know, like I said before, you're, you, you're utilizing a substance to to cope with something and to have a certain effect. So I found the United States dietary guidelines advisory committee. They consider binge drinking as five or more weeks of for men, five or more drinks for men and upwards of four for women within two weeks. So I guess with Um, that, I thought binge drinking to what I had always understood that definition was like in a day. So like how many drinks do you have in one sitting Okay. And I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with that resource. That doesn't mean that it's not right or wrong or whatever. It's just I. I personally am not familiar with that. Okay. Um. But yeah, the you think about like binge drinking, like pretty much what we did through college. Yeah, and I think something that I was like reading about that I don't think a lot of people recognize is even when you just said like uh, that statistic where like with that drink, a lot of people have more than what's considered one serving so like if are you actually pouring out five ounce glass of wine like that's considered one drink you know yeah so i i personally have weighted measured glasses of wine and let me tell you y'all are pulling pouring double glasses like 100 percent um it's like peanut butter if you think you're eating a serving of peanut butter you you're high check yourself like that's the saddest (laughs) thing saddest thing with peanut butter but it is (laughs) I've never weighed alcohol so that's interesting yeah so I mean like when I was hardcore like doing macros and like not in a good headspace I would definitely weigh and measure my wine um and not that I was, I was not drinking regularly, but if I had it, I did like, I would bring travel scales places. It's bad. Don't do that. If you're going to have a glass of wine, have a fucking glass of wine. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I'm just saying that to kind of put in perspective, like beers are a little different. Those are pre-measured. Um, but I feel like wine is the big one where it's really easy to overpour that or like the one ounce of whiskey, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was trying to think what to chat about next should we talk a little bit about like what alcohol is and what it does to your body you think um whatever direction you want to go I mean I have a couple of points written down but nothing like you no that's okay (laughs) Um, so whatever direction you want to go the the one I guess like the one thing that I think 
really kind of stood out to me with just experiences in alcohol and how I've been kind of talking about it more recently is like, it's amazing to me, like the shit I probably did under the influence of alcohol, um, like in college, I mean, just not good stuff. And I was definitely not using it to like enhance any type of experience. I was doing it because it was just like what everybody did, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but like, would I have made those choices? Um, would I have chosen to like spend my energy in those ways, even just thinking about like living life as experiences and how much time I probably missed out on because I was just focused on like, Oh, like, let's go get drunk and party tonight. Yeah. And talk about the hangover the next day. Like, or even if you're not hungover, you just sleep later. Like, it it really affects you and i i totally agree with that it's very yeah. interesting to like think back about how it affected yeah and i mean even just the health effects and things like that but it go ahead and get into talking cuz i know there's some other points you want to hit i'll I, i'll write them down <laughs> okay no that's go ahead you're totally no fine. you're good um i think like just with I wanted to talk a little bit about like what alcohol actually is. And so it's considered a fourth macronutrient and it's considered a macronutrient because while our bodies typically use carbs and fats for energy, our bodies can't use or they can also use ethanol, which is the type of alcohol found in alcoholic beverages as a fuel source. And ethanol is processed in the liver because it's toxic to humans in high amounts, which you said at the very beginning. And so when we drink alcohol, basically the liver prioritizes the breakdown of ethanol into byproducts that can be used by the body or flushed out by the body. And when this happens, our body shifts from using our main energy source, so mostly fat, to using ethanol. And Basically, when we drink, we're kind of interfering, not kind of, we are interfering with the liver's ability to convert fat into energy because it's focusing on using that ethanol. And I just find that super interesting because everyone's always focused on like, not necessarily fuel source, but I think when people hear like, oh, it's using ethanol instead of fat, your body's using it. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the, I think I had read previously too, that your liver is also going to prioritize, um, its metabolization because it's a toxin. So your body wants to get rid of that. I don't remember where I read that. And I don't know how, um, accurate that is, but in my, in my mind, it it makes sense from a physiologic standpoint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and your liver is important in, in so much. So your liver is important for your cholesterol metabolism, um, your menstrual cycle health and your hormones, your conversion of your thyroid hormone from T4 to the, to the most active form to T3 to um, excreting, excreting um, toxins through your stool. Um, so, you know, if you have a liver problem and you're constantly, constantly taxing your liver, like all of that stuff can be really screwed up because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I want to point out too, is like moderate drinking, it, it can like lead to these things. It's not, it's, you don't have to be drinking 10 drinks a week or a day. Like, no, I hope to God no one's doing that, but like, 
a little people bit. are <laughs> yeah yeah like probably not the people you're working way. with but yeah um I think the sober dietitians just posted a study talking about how even moderate drinking, and I don't know how that was defined, but I'm guessing less than eight drinks a week for women and less than 12 for men. That's kind of like the standard. So somewhere probably between like three and six or three and seven drinks a week. Um, it will, it, it can contribute to lack of neuroplasticity and dementia and just memory oh issues God. in, in later age, like, yeah, it was really crazy. Some of the stuff that I was reading on their website and like, they basically did this whole article on debunking, like, Oh, well, red wine's good for you. Uh, no red wine's not good for you. Alcohol's not good for you. Yeah. Um, and there, I won't try to rehash the article. You guys can go check it out if you're, it's, it's a really good read from them. Um, and they did a really good job about saying like, well, this is why it became popularized that red wine was healthy. And this is why like you can get all this crap from other stuff. Like, and it was probably also because all these people were eating a Mediterranean diet. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go read that. That's super. Yeah. Interesting. It was a good one. I think too, yeah. with what you said about like neuroplasticity, it's also going to affect like our sleep big time. And that's the thing I hear. I don't want to say so many times, but I've heard it a lot of like, Oh, mm -hmm. I use alcohol to help me sleep like no that's not how it works it's literally it makes you unconscious it doesn't help you get good sleep yeah and quality matters a lot mm. <laughs> yeah um, no for sure um so alcohol actually raises your estrogen level um by like I think if they say it's like 10 percent per alcoholic beverage or something like that wow I didn't and, know that yeah and so estrogen actually is um when you sleep it's gonna it's gonna make your body temperature go up too um, so it, it, that's what causes the disruption in your circadian rhythm is your body's temperature just naturally goes up. And so you can't get your core body temperature to drop to get into your deep restorative sleep. Okay. Yeah. That, that completely makes sense. That's super interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any more like little nuggets that I wanted to hit on. Well, so kind of what you said before with how, when you started to like, lean more towards performance and aesthetics mm -hmm. that's another thing like if you care about performance even a little bit it's gonna decrease your recovery it's going oh, yeah like it's it's gonna affect your performance a hundred percent yeah I and I, t I think I've probably talked about my acupuncturist before too my like she she says that my system runs so clean and that's why I have such good acupuncture system um, sessions is because I feel everything. I feel that energy moving. I can tell where things are going. I can feel the effect of one drink for five days. Wow. In one way or another. Um, I recently started sleeping like really well. And I was like, what am I doing or not doing? That's different. And I hadn't drank. Wow. And, and I was, I've never been a frequent drinker. Um, like re in, in the recent, like even when you and I were working together, I thought it was like just my luteal phase. I thought I had a luteal phase defect and I yeah. just had low progesterone. And then like th about three to four months ago, I started just like, I maybe get a little disruption the day before my period. Um, but besides that, like wow. I sleep like a log now. And I wonder if it's not because I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking any alcohol. Yeah. I mean, cause even back then you probably had what, like once a month, maybe two times a month, but like it, it definitely wasn't a significant amount. 
but Mm-mm. that's super interesting. That's great that it's yeah. changed for the good. I mean, I don't, like I said, correlation doesn't always equal causation, but it's the one thing that's markedly different for mm-hmm. me right now um, is that I'm not drinking alcohol at all. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if here, here's my thing, I personally cannot understand how people can have aesthetic or performance goals and think that they can have three, four, five, six drinks every week and see progress. Sorry to burst your bubble. It's not going to happen. Like it slows everything down. It crushes your metabolism. Your body prioritizes getting that shit out of your system. It screws with all those different systems that I just talked about. Like, you are not going to get the results or feel the results that you want if you continue to engage in those behaviors. And I'm, I hate to be the bad bearer of bad news, but I do it several times per day with people. So it's not hard for me to do it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's important people recognize that because you are just going to be spinning your wheels. You're not going to get the results that you want if you're okay with (laughs) drinking. Like, multiple yeah. times a week that's tough um what else was I gonna say about that um hmm, what else what else can we chat about with alcohol um I think there is in my experience in my like patient population something that I have to fight against is people say well I'm just having wine or beer it's not like I'm drinking hard it's not like I'm drinking hard and I'm like it's all the same Susan (laughs) people say this to me and I'm like you actually whispered like I don't know where that's coming from with me I'm doing that often I think I listened to like a Dane Cook joke from a long time ago where he was like um hi it's funny hello keep keep doing it (laughs) but yes Um, keep going I just like you're still putting poison in your body Mm mm-hmm you know, on a regular, and you're doing that on a regular basis. Like it doesn't matter if it's beer, if it's liquor, if it's wine, there's just different serving sizes (laughs) based on alcohol percentage, you know? So it's still going to do all of those things. And a lot of these people that I've had that conversation with are people who are having like three to four beers a day. And I'm like, they're like, but it's just beer. And I'm like, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. I should tell people that I'm like, you meet the, you meet the definition for alcoholism. Like you have a problem. You need to get help. Like whether you're ready for that or not, like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you are, let's get you some help. If you're not, let's start thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a tough conversation to have (sighs) for sure. Um, dude, I'm doing it on the regular too. Yeah, that's it's It's just so normalized. It's so normalized in our culture. And ever since like, I just decided like, I don't know what I'm doing with alcohol right now. Like I'm just not drinking Mm -hmm. and I still have not had a desire to have any. Like I've noticed how it is marketed to us as you need this to deal with your life. And it's like, maybe you need a new life and maybe you need new life choices instead of like needing alcohol to deal with said life. Yeah. You know, I, I sit back and I watch just, you know, I like, I rewatch Grey's Anatomy all the time Mm -hmm. and 
just, it's constant, like, oh, let's grab a drink or, oh, this day I need, I need a glass of wine or have this glass of wine. I'll make you feel better. And it's like, that's so true. I never thought about it that. is, it is. It's it, when, and when you sit back and you start like actively choosing not to drink and the way that you pay attention to how it's talked about by other people and how other people use it. And just as an observation, I'm not trying to like judge anybody or shame anybody here. Um, it's just a really, it's been a really interesting experience. And I've purposely not drank before. Um, like when I've trained for half marathons and when I've had performance goals, I mean, I've gone four or five months at a time without a sip of alcohol and I've Mm. not cared. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's really been interesting to sit back and look at how normalized it is by our culture. But I will tell you the month that I spent in the hospital working, there were more issues with people. Can you hear the disaster behind me? No, I the just saw the meowing. door open and I was <laughs> like, nothing okay, come in. Danielle, I don't want to scare you, but your door <laughs> open and I don't see anyone. <laughs> it's, 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 it's our zoo. Okay. Perfect. Um, but I saw more alcohol related illness, whether it was liver disease, heart disease, alcoholism, DTs. And I'm like, I live in an area that is predominantly Mormon and most of them don't drink alcohol and I'm still seeing that many alcohol issues. I mean, some of them definitely still drink alcohol, Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's mind blowing. And I think that's, that's what's so frustrating is that it is normalized to turn to alcohol for stress management. And again, Mm -hmm. like it's not, it's. How's that serving you? Like, how's that helping your issue? Um, it's just like anything else. It's like the birth control pill for period problems. It's a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard me talk about this if, they, if they've listened to previous episodes. Um, it, and it's like, then you start to kind of notice the people in your life and how they, what activities they center their life around too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just been really interesting. I don't have those I mean, I personally don't have people in my life like that who center their lives around like drinking. Um, did you ever? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. And so did you find anything that helped you like kind of get away from it? Or is that when you were like fully in it? Does that make sense? Um. Like alcohol has never been a problem for me. So if I wanted to not have a drink or if I wanted to just turn it off, I could. And you know me, like no one saying like, oh, come on, just have one. Like I'm going to be like, like okay. go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I just don't care. I think I'm at like seven F-bombs. So I mean, who's counting? I almost said it on that because I knew that's what your reaction yeah. was going to be. <laughs> if someone tried to get me to do something that I tr- that truly was not aligning with my values at the time, I would say you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like I just, I don't care. And I have that much belief, like strength in my beliefs as a person and like the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I also think like someone said to me recently, oh, it was somebody who commented on one of my Instagram posts about how people who don't drink get asked constantly, like, well, why aren't you drinking? And like to respond to them, well, why are you drinking? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. has anyone ever asked themselves why they're drinking? I don't think enough people do. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this serving you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would, I want to try that. I, I honestly, the people would just be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what people would say. Yeah. I mean, most people are like, oh, are you trying to get me pregnant? Are you this? Are you that? Are you whatever? And it's just like, 
why do I need to, a reason? Like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's like how I always handled it too. I, peer pressure just, it doesn't get me. Like if, mm-hmm. if I, I know my <laughs> values and I'm just like, no, like I don't, I don't <laughs> care. Like I, I literally don't care. And it's, I always relate it back to like my health and it, like you said, it's not serving me and I don't care what you're going to say. That's not going to work. No. I don't know if it's my stubbornness or what, but I think a lot of people struggle with that a lot more if they're surrounded with people that drink a lot. Yeah. And so this is a really interesting one for me just about, um, peer groups. Cause I think it brings on a larger conversation of who are these people in your life? If they can't respect your choices, if you're not respecting my, like, I understand if you don't respect a choice of mine that I'm like damaging my life, like I'm an abusive relationship or, yeah. you know, certain things like that, like it's different. But if I'm, if I'm making a choice that I feel like is good for my health and mm, like bettering I, is yourself, ser- is serving me and you're belittling me or you're questioning me or you're trying to peer pressure me into another decision. Maybe we need to be reevaluating the people that we have in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it's always, I think it happens more often than not. And people are surprised, but a lot of the time when you say like, no, people might be like, well, why? If you tell them why they're going to be like, okay, that's okay. awesome. Yeah. Like good for you. And I think I just know that I can relate to that a lot with nutrition. Like my nutrition journey, my family was like, well, mm-hmm. wh- why are you eating that? Like eat the cookie. And it's like they were 10 times more supportive than how I imagined them to be. And that's usually how your friends and family should be with alcohol. And if they're not, like you said, you maybe there's some reevaluating that you need to do. Which isn't yeah. easy. Like, I'm, we're not no. saying it's easy. No, I, I understand some people have had, you know, friends forever and this and that. But, you know, I don't know that anyone in my current life would ever. I mean, I've had people say like, oh, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of it. Yeah. You know, because people just respect my choices that are in my life. <laughs> Um, it's the same thing with like significant others who don't support their significant other. I'm using poor language here, but like (laughs) their, their partner, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, um, like with their healthy eating, like what? Yeah. Like your person is like trying to be, I mean, there's circumstances of people with like disordered eating and it can be harmful. And I, I'm not talking about that shit. It's. I'm genuinely trying to like eat more vegetables and healthy foods and your dog shitting on me. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, and it's never going to be the person like it's, it's the person that's shitting on it is the one that's fighting through something that's insecure. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, you're never going to be criticized by someone doing more than you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're always going to be criticized by the person who's making less of an effort. I get it. I've gotten it my whole life with, oh, you eat healthy. Oh, you go to the gym. Well, listen here, Susan. I like that voice too. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's the truth. It's like you get mocked for leading a healthy lifestyle, but these 
people are over here take, pumping insulin and taking pills for hypertension and all this other stuff because they they don't have the willpower to make better choices or yeah. you know and i'm not talking about like being so dedicated that you're like no rest yeah. days all vegetables ben bergeron yada 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 I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the person who routinely brings their lunch to work, eat, focuses on eating vegetables, has a treat when they want it. Like my medical assistants will tell you, like, eh, I usually have like a couple little mini Kit Kats a day or like I'm, I'm, I'm in my medical assistant's drawer getting a, getting a Reese's peanut butter cup. Like, yum. I like balance. <laughs> yeah. But I also, the majority of the time make healthy choices. And I feel like there is that double-edged sword where people who are making choices to better themselves can be made fun of and can be ridiculed. But if I looked at someone and said, Hey, Sally, maybe you want to put that donut down. It's going to spike your glucose. Like that shit's no good for you. It's not okay to say that to people. No. Well, why is that? Yeah. It's the same. It, it, and it, I'm, I'm relating this to nutrition because I feel like it's, it's a very um, close paradigm with like asking someone, well, why are you drinking? Yeah. And I think that's where I honestly I struggle with still at coaching people is helping them through those situations Yeah, because it's a hard conversation to have to be like, we have to reevaluate the people that we're spending the most time with. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a really hard topic. It is. And people, we tend to be really defensive about the people in our lives, especially if it is our husband, our wife, um, you know, et cetera, if it's our partner. Um, I'm fortunate that I've never been in that position. Like anyone that I've even before Marcus that I was ever with, like was, I mean, not including like the guy I dated in college, which was a complete nutter shit show. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone else that I dated was like relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. So I never got any pushback for that and if I did I would just be like this is not gonna work man (laughs) yeah yeah no that's kind of how I've always been too I mean I was never as healthy as I am now until I met Derek for sure but it was I was always considered like oh like my drunk snack was carrots like I loved carrots in college (laughs) so I've never uh not eaten vegetables (laughs) I definitely do not have that story with nutrition. (laughs) Literally, I told you, like when I was a child, my lunches would be a jelly sandwich without the crust, a three musketeers bar and like two donuts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How am I not an insulin dependent diabetic? I don't know. (laughs) Blessed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so if you did not have the best palate as a child, I'm here to tell you that it could be done. Yeah, Um, (laughs) absolutely. Here but we are. I'm trying to think. But yeah, I, I, I feel for those people who who need to make those evaluations. It's 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 not easy. And I wish I I think that the if you do if you are out there listening, you do have an unsupportive partner or spouse or whatever, start with something really small and ask them to like get on board with it. Like the mm-hmm. smallest thing or the thing that you think they would be most willing to get on board with like getting enough sleep or drinking water or I will say at least just from previous experience with working with people sleep is like one of the hardest things not I don't want to go like too much on a tangent but sleep routines 
partners what? are usually like not willing to change them. At, at least with the people that I've worked with. <laughs> Is, isn't that kind of uh, surprising? Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's more like, let's incorporate a walk together. Let's incorporate like making a meal together. But sleep routines is like people are adamant on like staying up late. If if they're a night owl, they're not going to change their routine for them. I mean, when you say it that way, I guess it doesn't shock me as much because you could not ask me to stay up till 10 p.m. <laughs> Same. Fuck Same. that noise. And Marcus is more of a night owl. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a night owl. Like he's in bed by like 11 or 12. But yeah, a night owl compared to us. <laughs> oh, my God. Like you, you could not pay me. Yeah. So but I guess I can see that. Like I just don't I don't function at night. Yeah. Where it's... a lot of people will say they do like that's their time. Mm-hmm. If, I don't especially understand if those people. Yeah. No, I. Even when I have kids, that's not, I'm still gonna, my kids' bedtime's gonna be 7 p.m. for their whole life. <laughs> yes. I don't know how people, when people are like, oh, I go to bed around 11, I'm like, you are a freak of nature. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I can see how that would be, how that would be problematic. But also, if you're getting up at like five and six in the morning to like wait, work out and get to work on time and stuff, like, you can't be going to bed that late. No. Mm-mm. No. I've went to bed more towards 10 o'clock the rest of this this past week. You and I talked earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talked about how, like, I've been getting maybe seven and a half hours of sleep as opposed to my eight to eight hours and 15 minutes. And I, like, ran this morning and I was like, I feel like garbage. There's no way I'm going to lift. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it makes a big difference. That's in our conversation earlier I was saying I definitely notice 15 30 minute shift especially if it's consistently a few days or a few nights a week there's I definitely notice a difference but I think just getting back was like like, what'd you say no my friend Janine was like do you want to go climbing later and I was like want and should I are very different questions (laughs) that's true that's very true Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no. I I was just going to say, like, getting back to starting with the smallest thing with, like, a significant other. So now, now we know sleep might not be the smallest thing. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I never thought of it that way, but good point. Definitely. I, d- I don't remember what else you said, but walking is a big thing uh, with my clients. Anything else? Um, I mean, food is just huge. Yeah. You know, just trying to, trying to get people to make healthier choices. I, I don't, I don't know why it's so hard. I just, I don't, it's, it's a really hard thing for me with my patients. Um, I'm also like cranky crankerson, um, right now. And I just need to go to the woods for several weeks, which is coming soon. Um, yeah, so soon. <laughs> I know. Right. But, um, anyways, yeah. So back to alcohol. Yeah, no, I and I think I definitely didn't want to do this podcast and people listen to it and be like, okay, they're just against alcohol. Like I, yeah, I've already said Derek and I still drink occasionally, and I think it really comes down to what you said. Like, what are what are you getting from it? And mm-hmm. I, my opinion with this is like, if you genuinely enjoy it and you're getting some, like you're 
you're getting something out of the event or situation, then I think it's fine. Have mm-hmm. a drink. Like, again, if it's adding to your experience, okay. But I don't like I don't think you should drink because you're stressed or because it's a habit or other people around you don't want to drink alone or like you said like it's good for you it's not good for you just throwing that out there yeah (laughs) um like don't be drinking for those reasons I truly believe if you're gonna have a drink just make like ask yourself what are you getting out of it and why are you doing it yeah I think with anything in life those those two questions are kind of really important like whether it's why am I starting a podcast? Why am I taking the job that I'm taking? Why am I drinking alcohol? How is this serving me? How do I see this fitting in my life? Um, for me, like I said, I just, I feel the negative effects so long that I just, I literally cannot justify it to myself. And I love, I love a good beer. Like, I just love the taste of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's not even how it makes me feel. I love the taste of good beer. I love a good glass of wine. I love good whiskey like really I didn't know that Not yeah a whiskey fan. yeah so I mean but you know the next morning I mean from the time you wake up where you're like oh that's this taste in my mouth is disgusting I have a little bit of a headache and now I'm gonna go have the beer shits and I'm my blood glu- the glucose I didn't even touch on glucose control which I just thought of right oh, now yeah. and how um alcohol severely 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 fucks with your body's ability to control glucose i can tell you because i wore i wore a continuous glucose monitor for a couple of weeks in 2019 um and i will tell you the two things that spiked my glucose most was acute stress i thought piper had gotten out and i lost her um that's my dog my little chewini for those of you who don't know she is literally my life like my whole soul when that anyways i was gonna say when that dog goes i'm like i just I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, That's what I, I tell Derek every day. When Coda goes, I go. <laughs> I know. I literally think a part a part of me will like die when that yeah. dog goes. Uh, okay. Like, we can't talk about this. I'm, I'll I'll I'm sorry. I'll I'll cry. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so I, anyways, I was super stressed and I saw my glucose go up to like 150 or 160, which for people who don't know, um, when you haven't eaten anything, your glucose should be below hundred, ideally below like 90, 90 to 95, um, had not eaten anything. Um, and, and then went up I, to 150 just from stress, just from fucking freaking out. Oh my gosh. So if people want to laugh at stress management and meditation and yoga, enjoy your di- diabetes friend. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> truth <laughs> I'm so awful Derek's gonna stop allowing me on the podcast <laughs> no you just I can't put it's... Derek and I on the same episode because I think it's really out of control yeah no no because <laughs> <laughs> he would have a comment where I just like giggle and I'm like uh like he would be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, um and but yeah, what, and the other the yeah. other time was when I drank alcohol. So and mm. I at that point in my life, you know, I was 35 and, and drinking in relative moderation. Um, maybe at the most I would have gone overboard with like three glasses of wine in one sitting. Um, but I don't think I did while I was wearing the glucose monitor and just the rest the next the whole next day, like my glucose was just wonky. Wow. That's mm-hmm. super interesting. So it's cool you have that like experience slash data. 
I know it was really, really cool. cool. I want to wear, I want to wear another one again. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Um, what was I going to ask you? That's why you need to write stuff down. I know I do. <laughs> it was something before the glucose. Oh, how you related it to those questions and like everything in life. I really, really like that because it's true. It's so true. Just asking yourself what, what is, what is it doing for you? Yeah. And like I said, for me right now, like I have no problem with people that want to go have drinks or whatever. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I simply think that maybe there's some unhealthy coping mechanisms and behaviors if when we ask ourselves, why am I drinking? The answer is constantly because this is what I always do at night or because I'm stressed or because I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, I don't want to feel a difficult emotion. I, I think that alcohol as a numbing agent is probably never discussed mm-hmm. because emotions are hard. Um, there are difficult, very difficult emotions to deal with, whether it's guilt, shame, sadness, anger, um, resentment, um, you know, insert said thing. And people don't like to feel things. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So I think that alcohol is very, very, very commonly used as a numbing agent. And I think that if people just generally reevaluated when they used alcohol for a numbing agent, people would have a lot more quality relationships with themselves and other people. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, Well, I think so. One last point that I want to touch on is I wanted to hear and we've talked a little bit about it just throughout the episode. But do you feel that people have to completely give up alcohol to achieve their goals? No. Okay. No, I will. I will never endorse someone completely giving something up that they enjoy in order to reach. I don't give a shit what goal it is. Mm hmm. Maybe temporarily, um, yeah. I'll, I'll redirect that and say, you know, cause there were times in my life when I was really trying to increase my running performance or CrossFit or whatever, where I said, you know what, I'm just not going to drink for the next couple of months during the open or while I'm training for this half marathon or whatever. Um, but I don't think you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's just I, what I chose to do. I, I agree with you. I think, I think it does depend on your goal per se like again if if you're trying to go to the olympics if you're really trying to like perform to the best of your ability or you have like a weightlifting competition where your weight matters okay like i think for that season like you said it's probably not the best option but um having one drink for like a quote-unquote normal person like it's not gonna completely derail you that's not what we're doing this episode about (laughs) and I definitely think it's possible to like have some alcohol and still see results but Mm -hmm. like everything in life it's just moderation and like you said asking what what are you getting from it Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, for people who don't think that alcohol is affecting their performance or their aesthetics, um, you probably in their prime. And I mean, Simone Biles is obviously still in her prime, but like Simone Biles, Michael Phelps, people who are the best of the best, I guarantee you they're not drinking alcohol when they're in season. It's not happening. There's no way. I don't, I don't know. I'm very, I love 
women's gymnastics so I follow like all of the big like women's gymnastics people I've always been this way I'm like one of those like Olympic freaks um I have not ever not know this oh my god so obsessed I'm in all the drama and all of the scores and like who's doing what and who did they pick for the team and who went to trials and who was left out I oh, love that's U.S. Awesome. women's gymnastics um I'm a freak about it I love it I just, it's so fun to me. Um, but you don't see any of those girls out there if they're of age, like drinking alcohol or maybe they are, maybe they are college, like partying, who knows, but it, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, so a lot of the female CrossFit games athletes that I follow, they openly say like they're, they're not drinking during, Yeah. I mean, during most of their season, which is most of the year nowadays, yeah. like it's a, it's a month or two throughout the year. Mm-hmm where they're like having one drink a week or something or month or whatever yes. they they're having like three to four drinks a year. Yeah. So, and that, I mean, and that's extreme as well. You know what I mean? Someone who chooses not to drink or only having one to two drinks a year that I would say that that is extreme as well. Um, that's why when you asked that I, there, there wasn't even any hesitation for me because there's no need to cut everything out of your life to make progress. It just makes for a very disordered relationship with anything. Um, if you're an alcoholic, that's a different story. We need to have a different conversation and talk to your doctor about that. Um, but you know, for the average person who doesn't have an issue with addiction, if you want to have a glass of wine on Friday night and with your dinner, with your significant other, because, or with your girlfriends do it, but three, four, five, six, seven drinks a week. That's still a lot to me, even though it's not pathologic. It's damn, that's still a lot to me. Yeah. So, I don't yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> um, well, perfect. Anything else about alcohol that you want to share or talk about? Um, I guess I touched on a lot of things with like gut function, thyroid function, uh, I can't, I can't, I'm looking through our, your outline here. And I think we've kind of like, we've kind of touched on every, I think the only, the last thing that I would probably leave people with is what it does to your emotional and your mental state. Um, it's a depressant. Um, so if you have a psychiatric diagnosis, um, alcohol screwing with you. Um, and if you notice that you have your moods are wonky for days after you drink, it's not a good choice. Um, it's just messing with you in ways that probably aren't serving you. So I, I would urge people to pay attention to that. Like if they're noticing depressed moods or feeling anxious, um, just kind of say, being like, have I drank recently? Have I had any alcohol? Like, um, I think that, that, that that's an important one. Um, because lots of, you know, if, if you're already taking a medication for depression, then you're drinking a depressant. Um, it's probably going to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very bad news. It, it, it affects your cognition and your emotions and, and things like that um, a lot. And I don't think that we touched on that. So I think that that's a really important thing to touch on. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's extremely common too. Um, yep. Well, perfect. Anything else? No, my animals are hooligans. You've seen, <laughs> seen that through this whole filming right now. So I love it. Well, perfect. Then uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And thank you so much for hopping on here and chatting th with it. Oh, my God. Chatting <laughs> with me through it, Danielle. <laughs> Any time. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Later. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. 
If you are tuning in every single week, we appreciate you so much. And if this is your first time listening, we also appreciate that as well. In either case, please do us a favor. If you enjoy what you're listening to, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, or, or and leave a comment there as well. That is how we get more recognition on the platform. That's how we reach more people and change more lives. Aside from that, be sure to follow us on every other platform. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, we're on everything. Subscribe to those channels so you can stay up to date on all of the information we're putting out there to help you move closer towards your goals. We hope to see you guys again next week.